0: Welcome back, folks. Just a reminder, we'll visit with Guy Williams, President Gulf Coast Bank and Trust, in the 12 o'clock hour, and we'll visit with Arnie Filko, former CEO of the Jewish Federation of Greater New Orleans. Uh, he just uh, authored uh, a, p- a piece that um, we will be talking about, and we'll be talking about the latest in the Israeli-Hamas war. And I almost hate to go to this topic, because it's going to feel like I'm just piling on, I'm belaboring the point But when you read articles that you have to scratch your head and and wonder, what in the hell is going on in this country? And when you think about the largesse of what we give to individuals day in and day out, The struggle that we have in trying to manage our economy, manage our assets, manage our resources, manage your tax dollars, the elected officials that that we elect to do so, and when they put forward a plan to try and accommodate people, and the people just say, no. And it's worse when the scenario is that it's illegal immigrants yes you heard me right recently the city because it is crumbling in its attempt to accommodate over a hundred thousand asylum seekers they refer to them as asylum seekers they're illegal immigrants because their asylum claims for the most part are bogus but just for the sake of satisfying the liberal media, we'll say that they're asylum seekers. They've been putting them up in hotels throughout New York City, throughout the five boroughs. They have been spending money hand over fist, feeding, keeping, trying to find jobs for these individuals. Meanwhile, we have unemployed that live here. Meanwhile, we have Over 40 million living below the federally identified poverty level. And if we had the same level of aggressive assistance that we have to these individuals, a lot of our problems probably would go away. I mean, we're getting pretty damn creative. But it's not enough. And because of the problems that they're having in the city, they decided to go to Floyd Bennett's field in Brooklyn which is an, an old um, airport that's out there, and they built a tent city. So imagine, if you will, the city is It's chilly out there in New York now, and they put them on a bus, nice and heated, and they have dozens upon dozens upon dozens of migrant families. They arrive at this is what is referred to as a controversial remote housing site. Can you believe that? Controversial remote housing site. You come to this country illegal, illegally, and this ends up being controversial. Courtesy of the mayor. Well, they get off the bus, they look around, and they say, no, I'm not staying here. They said, we weren't told this is where we were going. One of the bust migrant dads talked to the New York Post and said, I work in the Bronx. My kids go to school in the Bronx. For us to live out here is ridiculous. We're going back. Now, don't jump on that statement because that would not be where they initially came from. They're going back to the Bronx. They're going to take us back to the train, and of course provide the payment for that, so that they can go back to 45th Street, because another migrant father said that's where he was staying. Guess what's at 45th? The Roosevelt Hotel. That's where I'm going. I'm not coming out here to Tent City. No way, no how. He says, I cannot stay, stay here. This is crazy. My response to him would have been, yes, it is. You just have no idea how crazy it truly is. About 2,000 asylum seekers from the U.S. border are expected to eventually be housed at the site. And they're talking about all kinds of problems that they're going to have out there. Why? I don't know. We're basically providing everything that they need. There are those that are saying it's a disaster waiting to happen. It's one of the coldest days so far. There could be frost tonight. Well, the tents are heated. There's no supermarket, there's no infrastructure. They're going to be fed. A spokesman for Adams said Sunday that while some migrants did reject the site and signed release forms, including a second busload that arrived shortly before 2.30 p.m., opted to remain, we will stay, is what I'm thinking they're saying, because maybe we'll get more benefits because the location is so isolated. Welcome to a sanctuary city. The mayor goes on to say that, More than 139,500 asylum seekers have moved through their intake system since the spring of 2022. They chose to be a sanctuary city. Now they're complaining about it. And they have more than 65,600 migrants that they're still providing care for in New York City. The bus driver that dropped the first group off was interviewed, and he was stunned, he says, when many of the migrants refused to stay. We were shocked when they turned around and left. Only a few people stayed. We did not see that coming. So they had fire inspectors out there, and the fire inspector said that they were, you know, very concerned because a lot of the asylum seekers had electric bikes. I guess everybody has electric bikes. I, I don't yet. I feel left out. A lot of the migrants have been able to get work in what are referred to as, you're going to love this, underground food delivery jobs. The bikes are powered by lithium batteries. So we're living up to the Biden administration of going green. But... The inspector said this is a problem these bikes have sparked a number of deadly blazes in the city no need to fret the mayor said that the city is going to supply additional storage outside of where they're being housed to store the electric bikes in separate tents So more of your tax dollars are being spent out there, not only for the green initiative, but because the green initiative is so dangerous that you can't store a bike indoors any longer because of the combustible nature of the lithium batteries. And we're just spending money hand over fist, dollar after dollar, dollar after dollar. Well, one has to wonder, are there similar instances on the other side of the border? So when all of these migrants are moving up through the Darien Gap and coming from South America, going through Central America, working their way to the U.S. border in the hopes of getting across, which that doesn't take much hope at all, what happens to the Mexican towns? Well, interestingly, there was a reporter that went down there from the New York Post. And he talked to a number of the officials in a town called Tapachula in the southern Mexican state of Chiapas from central. um, And there were a number of migrants flowing through there from Central America, Haiti, Cuba, Venezuela, on their way to the U.S. border. And what those officials have said is that the migrants have overwhelmed the local residents in the town of Tapachula. They've taken jobs from them where they've worked these fields for generations but now face increased competition for employment and housing. Housing costs have gone up because they seem to have brought money with them and they're consuming all the housing so the demand is far greater than the supply so there landlords are jacking the rents up in this local Mexican town. They go on to say that their city in Mexico is almost unrecognizable from just a few years ago. They're big in the coffee industry. It's just waves of people. The locals don't know what to think. The place that they've lived in for so long is totally different all of a sudden. Tepatula's problem is an indicator of how things will be more and more U.S. cities, according to the article. Just this past week, 3,000 migrants who massed in the town set out on foot towards the U.S. border. The town's locals say that while the migrants live in their area, long-time residents, you've got to love this. This is going to sound very familiar to you. We've covered this extensively in this city. We are more like Tapachula than we ever thought. The town's locals say that while the migrants live in their area, longtime residents who dutifully obtain permits to sell modest goods on the street and in the area marketplaces are forced to compete with newcomers who don't bother with such legal formalities, and it crowds them out. This increased competition is making it more difficult for the Mexicans to scratch out a meager existence, forcing them to seek other means of income in trying economic circumstances. Go figure, the culture of now of non-compliance has moved to tapuchula and is thriving and living well. Housing's gone up, tiny rooms to apartments, the concentration, has now attracted what? The criminal element. Go figure. Isn't this how this cycle works? Human traffickers, drug cartels, they see the potential profits in this disparate crowd. And the cartel's presence has made it difficult for locals to conduct their business. As many cons- have concerns for their safety as this crisis continues. Disputes, fights, battles erupting in local markets with migrants complaining about prices or availability of certain goods. The organizer of a lot of these groups that are coming through, they're complaining and saying, well, you know, we understand how the locals feel, but we fear being preyed upon by the extortionists and other criminal elements as we try to make our way to the U.S. border we know we are causing discomfort for Mexicans and we apologize, but the drug cartels are kidnapping us and they're killing us. A lot of similarities, right, between what's happening on the United States in our cities, our sanctuary cities, and what's happening in Mexican cities as the same masses of individuals flow through those cities on their way to the U.S. border. The difference, though, they're staying here. They're leaving there. We'll be right back. Welcome back, folks. Arnie Philco joins us, former CEO of the Jewish Federation of Greater New Orleans. Arnie, welcome to the show.
1: Thanks, Noel. Happy to be back with you. I appreciate it.
0: Arnie, you recently um, authored an an article. Uh, Tell us about it.
1: Well, I did. I, I wrote an article talking about the the current conflict uh, with Israel and and uh, what's happening in in Gaza. And you know, I made the comparison of of really World War II, and that what we're dealing with right now is is really a battle of not Israelis versus Palestinians or or land disputes. What what we're battling is really good versus evil, and you know just like in world war 2 i don't think anybody you know would have uh you know taken the side of of the nazis here and 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 looked at what they did and said well you know there was justification you know unfortunately that's happening relative to israel people are you know are justifying the you know the you know the terrible things that happened on october 7 and you know if people have read the accounts of you know rapes and and beheadings and Uh, families burned together. I I mean, these were atrocities, honestly, that the world has not seen in in 80 years and um, certainly was the worst Jewish event that we've ever seen since the Holocaust. And, you know, and I I wanted to make the point that this really is good versus evil at this point. And, you know, we need to be on the side of the good and not allow, you know, people to um, really make excuses for what occurred, that was an atrocity. It was one of the worst events in human history, and uh, we've got to recognize, you know, what what is happening on the streets today, what's happening on the on the campuses, and to call it out um, when we see it. So that was the that was the premise of it, and then I I went into a little bit of Ukraine and talked about the common enemies that we're facing here, because, you know, people I know have different views on Ukraine and Israel, but the reality is is that the Russians and Iran, you know, are at the middle of both of these crises, and they are not on our side.
0: Arnie, day after day after day, I mean, I'm mystified by this. I'm frustrated by it. Uh, I'm angry uh, that we have allegedly intelligent people trying to um, convince others that there's a moral equivalency here. And that Hamas was completely, totally justified in in whatever they feel like their plight is by doing what they did and in crossing into Israel and just killing innocent citizens.
1: Yeah, it's uh, Noel. It's 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 despicable and it's frustrating. And and look, I want to say this up front. I I have as much empathy as anyone could have for the for the death and 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 you know, loss of life of any innocent, whether it be Israeli or Palestinian. I mean Israeli and Jewish lives are and Palestinian lives have equal value, but Palestinian innocent civilians are not Hamas. Hamas is a terrorist organization whose sole goal is to eliminate Israel, eliminate the Jewish state and kill Jewish people. And you know when I have these discussions with people with people and and the first thing they say is, well, Hamas was justified. You have to stop there. You have to completely stop that discussion and say there is no justification, no matter the history, no matter the land disputes. There is no justification for the barbarism and, and atrocities that occurred on October 7th. And again, you know, video is now out there. These are not made up things. Uh, we we have not seen this level of evil and hatred where. You know where where babies are are burned and decapitated, where where hostages, you know, six seven year old kids are taken and, and and kidnapped into Gaza right now. I mean, these are things the world has never seen again since World War II, and we should never see them and never justify them. So, you know, there is no moral equivalency. Are there legitimate disputes on on Israeli Palestinian? Political areas, of course, are there legitimate um, debates that can be had on Israeli policy, of course. But when you when you when you act upon those issues and and do the types of crimes and atrocities that were committed five weeks ago, uh, you just got to stop and pause and say we're not listening to it, okay? And uh, that's part of the frustration. That was part of the reason for this article. Is I've heard too many people you know, try to justify. And, and Newell, you, we, even when you see these protests happening and see these, what's happening on college campuses and the shouts for from, from the river to the sea, well, that's not some nice political slogan. From the river to the sea is the Jordan River to the Mediterranean Sea, meaning that those that are chanting it are asking for the elimination of Israel, okay? That's not going to happen. And we need to wake up to that of, 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 you know, the distinction between innocent Palestinians and terrorists. And there's a clear distinction.
0: In the past five days, we've witnessed, I think for the first time, the frustration of Palestinian civilians relative to the overreaching barbaric conduct of Hamas to the to the Palestinians. And it's the first time that I think that we've been able to see this in in the West. And recently, the Israeli ambassador to the United States, Michael Herzog, uh, made the observation that what you're beginning to see is that uh, the Palestinians may not like the Israelis, but they don't like Hamas too much either. Your thoughts?
1: Well, and they shouldn't. I mean, you know, Hamas is using Palestinians as human shields. You know a couple examples um you know israel has opened up each day humanitarian quarters because they're trying to get the Gazan civilians from the northern part of the gaza strip to the southern part which is safe much safer and hamas is stopping them they don't want that exodus because that you know that eliminates their ability to use those civilians as, as human shields um you know with israel now how pathetic is that? I mean, is this is this a group that really cares about its own people? Clearly not. And then yesterday, the reports came out, and they've been verified now, that Israel offered uh, to deliver fuel to the Shifa Hospital, which is the main hospital in Gaza. It is a tragic situation. I mean, any person of any decency would have a hard time watching the images of babies and people on dialysis that can't get that are dying because of lack of energy, Israel agreed to deliver fuel to keep that hospital open. Hamas's response was no way, okay we don't want it it would only show it It would only you know give some Israel some kind of PR benefit to do that again, these are the kind of things that you're seeing, and it it you know it's maybe just a crack right now, Newell, of what you said, but hopefully the guys and people will open their eyes and see that Hamas is doing them no good here. They're a lousy government. They don't they don't provide uh, regular services the way they should, and what they did on October 7 is un- should be unacceptable not just to Israelis and Jews, it should be unacceptable to every person that believes in humanity. So I'm glad to hear what you said and I hope that it becomes even larger.
0: Well, I'm not as optimistic because, you know, when, when I look to our college campuses of Palestinian students, and I said this earlier, these are, these are young adults that come here to this country as an invited guest. And what they're involved in and what they're perpetuating as it relates to the hatred and the vitriol directed towards Jews, to me is unacceptable, and they should be uninvited. I don't, I don't even know why we're waiting. Um, This is absolutely ridiculous, not to mention the criminal conduct that they involve themselves in as well. But they don't believe any of this, right? I mean, what you hear coming out of their mouths is just, as you said earlier, the complete annihilation of Israel and all Jews. And unless and until we get to that point in time in history, they're never going to be happy.
1: Well, you're seeing Newell. You're seeing Newell. A unprecedented rise in anti-Semitism in this country and around the world. Um, you know, the ADL has reported that were incidents of anti-Semitism are a 400 percent. The Jewish community in this country is less than 3 percent. Yet, more than 60 percent of hate crimes right now are committed against uh, the Jewish population. And when you watch what's happening on these campuses, including here in, in New Orleans, uh, yeah, Tulane, we had an incident a couple of weeks ago. Um, it is really despicable. And it, it's no longer one political element. It used to be that anti-Semitism was really focused more on the right, the political right. It's not anymore. It's the political right and the political left. And when you see these students and professors and administrators, you know, marching on campus, Number one, it's, it's illegal to do some of the stuff they're doing because you can't at a public institution, make your Jewish population feel unsafe. But it, it, the, the words that they used are hateful. Um, The, the, the messages they're delivering are just wrong. And I I will tell you, the Jewish community is extremely concerned right now over what's happening each and every day in cities all over this country. And, um, You know, I'm starting to see a a lot of people kind of speak up against it. Finally, you know, college presidents and others, uh, donors, others in leadership at universities. But, you know, free speech has limitations. And when you start to call for the death and destruction of an entire country and its people, which is what these slogans are, uh, you've crossed the line. And and we have to be mindful of it, be aware of it, and not not allow for it. And let me just say this, you know, I've I've advocated my whole life that hate is hate. Okay, mm-hmm. it doesn't matter if it's directed against African Americans and racism, or Jews and anti-Semitism, or Islamophobia, whatever it may be. It's it's time for people of good conscience to all stand up when when we hear ugly comments that are made on radio and media, um, it, it's incumbent upon the, the host of the show, it's incumbent upon other people to not just be silent when that occurs. You've got to stand up because if you don't take that position and condemn it, then you're, you're basically supporting it, and, and that just can't be the case. Certainly, certainly in America it can't be the case.
0: Arnie, over the weekend I read an article, and I talked about it earlier in my show, I don't know if you heard it, about these uh, the mosques that have been receiving money uh, to fight Islamophobia uh, from FEMA to the tune that they're putting it out in $100,000, $200,000 grants. And as I was reading the article, um, they're going to these mosques who are taking this money and at the same time, they're talking about the, the annihilation of the Jews. And it occurred to me, let's reverse engineer this story. And let's say that we send $150,000 to the Jewish synagogue. In the, Jew, in the Jewish synagogue, the rabbi goes to the lectern and talks about killing Arabs and Muslims. What do you think the outcry in this country would be?
1: Yeah, no, I, I mean it would be it would be terrible. And you know, that's that's what I'm talking about in a lot of ways is we've got to get back to the point that people can have legitimate discussions. Okay. I mean I have I have many Muslim friends, okay. I, I've been involved in the interfaith work uh between the Jewish community and the Christian community and the Islamic community for years and years. Uh, it's good to have respectful dialogue and to un- understand each other's positions. But what you can't do is you can't cross the line and call for the destruction, the annihilation of a certain people. Um, I mean, it's just it's it's wrong. Uh, we should not be supporting it with funding. Um, so, I, again, I think we have to look at all those situations. You know, part of the situation in Gaza that's so frustrating. And it, it's, you know, I know Israel gets condemned on everything it does militarily. But I have to say, I don't know of any army in the world that tries as hard as Israel tries to give advance warnings when we're going into civilian areas to try to save lives. You know, Hamas has put its, its tunnels underneath these mosques, underneath hospitals, underneath schools. There was a picture the other day of a, of, of a nice house with a kid's bedroom, and the tunnel was under the kid's floor. I I saw that. uh, Yeah, it's just unbelievable. And, you know, look, nobody, again, I mourn the loss of innocent Palestinian life. I mean, you know, there's been over 10,000 alleged loss of life within, within Gaza. Nobody wants it. But, what is Israel to do when they're attacked unmercifully on October seventh they're trying to get rid of that enemy that terrorist group, and the terrorist group uses the civilians as you know shield it's a it's a very difficult but, situation and but the truth you know, be
0: told this could end tomorrow Hamas could just give up tomorrow surrender tomorrow yeah, turn absolutely. the hostages <laughs> over tomorrow if if exactly if Hamas and Fatah and um, um, Hezbollah are so worried about Palestinians as though they they talk about it every day, and they they have their they have their so-called leaders sitting over there in the UN. If they were really worried about this, they could surrender tomorrow.
1: Well, no, they they but it's over. We could talk about we could talk about a
0: two-state solution, but who who. Who are you going to negotiate with? Not with Fatah, not with Hezbollah. They they all well, talk you, the same language.
1: Well, you can't know? write. You can't. So, right. you, you so can't. who's le-
0: who's who's left to negotiate with is the big problem here. Everybody in the United States, the, in the, in the mainstream media, is driving me crazy because they're they're trying to make all these comparisons as though you're dealing with a legitimate group on the other side that really wants peace. And security and a two state solution. I had well, this, I, you know what it's not no there. So what that. so is, what is Israel to do? They're already they're already trying to preempt what Israel's gonna do in the aftermath of this because the one thing that everybody recognizes from day one, the day that Israel decided to respond, is that there was if there had been a morning line in Vegas on this, Israel's gonna win. Right?
1: Right. They're gonna right. win. <laughs> you know, so, and it, and, and, had there been and, a morning line, and, had there been a morning line, October eight in Vegas, as to whether the world would start to shift from becoming empathetic with Israel to against Israel, to, you would have put your money on, on on going against Israel because that's what we've seen over the over the years. Every, no, every, every time, you, Israelis want Israelis want a long term peace more than anybody in the world it's been 80 you, you years you want to know the irony it you,
0: you want to know the irony the thing that's most emblematic of that is the millions upon millions upon millions of dollars that Israel spent on the iron dome because right. they have not responded in kind to every missile fired into Israel at civilian targets I, I i had to read an article the other day that said most of the most of the missiles <laughs> Go into wasteland, <laughs> Israel, and it's like well maybe they miss it or maybe the efficacy rate of the Iron Dome you know prevents it from going into the city because the Iron Dome is not going to is not going to prevent a missile from going into the middle of the marsh somewhere right uh, because right. it would be a wasted missile but this is how the mainstream media reports it but no one gives the Iron Dome. The credit that it's actually due, because what it has done is created an environment where Israel has not had to respond in kind to every missile fired into Israel. That 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 with, is correct. With a ninety-plus uh, efficacy rate of the Iron Dome, right. and had they, and they would have been justified each and every time. We know what would would have happened. The hate, the vitriol, and everything would have been even greater. Yeah, and and no one yep. no one talks about that. I've yet to hear anyone talk about this. Um, in 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 the defense, when we come back, I want to talk about an article that shows the human cost of the conflict through the years, and the and the writer of the article seems to imply that there should be more parity in lives lost as a result of this conflict. Again. I don't know who these people are. We'll be right back. Welcome back, folks. We're visiting with Arnie Filko, former CEO of the Jewish Federation of Greater New Orleans, and we've been talking about the Israeli-Hamas war. There was an article uh, done by CNBC uh, that talks about uh, the five major conflicts that have occurred since the um, Jewish state withdrew from the Gaza Strip in 2005 they talk about uh, 2008 first gaza 2012 14 second gaza 2021 the eviction for not paying rent in east jerusalem and now in 2023 and they they talk about it in a context as as though the israeli uh, or as though the hamas military effort the hezbollah military effort and the fatah Military effort comes anywhere close to the level of the military that has been uh, assembled uh, by Israel over the years, as though these are um, there's equity, or that there like almost should be equity in the militaries of all of this yeah. as they fight these conflicts, and it's like well. Has any of these terrorist organizations figured out that they really don't want to take the Israeli army on? I mean, obviously not. <laughs> you
1: know. Well, two, two points in response to, to, to that article. Number one, hopefully people know that Israel left Gaza in 2006, that 17 years ago it gave Gaza uh, back to the people and said, you put your own government in place and live a great life and prosper, because that's good for Israel. Well, you've seen what's happened in 17 years. The Gaza Strip is, yeah. has not improved whatsoever, and and it's because it's run by a terrorist organization. At the end of the day, it does not care about its people. And in fact, really, at the end of the day, I think most of what happened here uh, five weeks ago is dictated by their proxy in Tehran. You know, who wants conflict, who wants to see regional expansion of they don't want to see a Saudi Arabia, Israel, America, you know, peace plan. You know, that's what's driving this. And on the topic of proportionality, I mean, that's a ridiculous concept. Again, go back to how we started this conversation. This isn't about the number of people here versus the number of people here. It's about good and evil. It's about who's right and who's wrong, and when you cross over on october seven take fourteen take two hundred plus hostages savagely murder fourteen hundred innocent people in their homes or at a music festival, you don't deal with proportionality you deal with how do we eradicate a group like this so right. it's just kind of a it's it's a ridiculous um you know premise and it's not what we should be looking at we should be figuring out how do we get rid of these terrorist organizations how do we curtail iran so that it doesn't do what it does and how do we with with good leadership which we don't have right now on 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 the palestinian side but eventually with good leadership how do we get to a two-state solution and real peace between the people which is what everybody wants
0: yeah for sure absolutely as always, Arnie, thank you so much for joining us and adding a lot of context to this issue. We certainly appreciate it. Arnie Field, Co, former CEO of the Jewish Federation of Greater New Orleans. Um, have a great week. Thank you.
1: Friend. Thank you, Newell. You as well.
0: We'll be right back, folks. Stay with us. Hope you enjoyed that conversation with Arnie Philco. Uh, He's the former CEO of the Jewish Federation of Greater New Orleans. He brings a lot of context to the issue, and a lot of what he says is absolutely true about the opening openness and willingness of not only him but so many other members of Jewish society that really want to have an open and candid conversation about the issues in Israel and when he says that he feels for the Palestinian families, children, and others. He does. I've known him for a long, long time, and I think most people do. We recognize the challenge. The one that needs to recognize it is Hamas, but they don't. They're willing to sacrifice all. In fact, they've gone on record to say that they are martyrs, and it's their time. Their time has come to be the martyr along with everyone else. We'll be right back.